Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. We're in a series titled FaceTime. We're talking about the realities in our relationship with God. And today we're talking about character in your connection. So last week was why we connect. Today is character in your connection. And the topic or the idea is why heart change brings connection in your relationship, specifically your relationship with God. Now, these principles can be translated to any relationship you have in your life. But specifically, we believe that the number one relationship that we have is is the one with our creator. And so the foundation for this series is found in Jeremiah 24, 7. And it says, I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me with all of their heart or with their whole heart. And so the big idea in this is the number one relationship that we have is with God. That's the number one meeting that we should be making or making time for every day anyways. And so FaceTime, if you remember pre, pre-iPhone, FaceTime was a face-to-face meeting with somebody who is really important, a meeting that you could not have via email or fax like we joked about last week, but a, a meeting that was going to take 100% of your undivided attention was going to require you to be 100% present. And so last week we learned that there are two reasons for everything that we do, the good reason and the real reason. And that good reason is, is typically that front that we like to display. It makes us look good, but the real reason is what's in our heart. And so in this, in this series, we're talking about how, that, how our real reason applies to our relationship with God and how we approach. And so we want to discuss the depth of our relationship as it pertains to our walk with God, which we often refer, refer to as our faith or our belief or uh, basically our personal, it's a personal relationship, right? And so most people have two reasons for doing something. Like I said, a good reason, a real reason. As believers, those are the same. That's called integrity when, when what you say and what you do match and they align. And so it's rooted in truth. And so Understanding that your reason takes heart and truth, the biggest question today is why do you connect with God? Why? This is weird. Is this mythical? Is what's in this Bible? Is what's in this book really alive? Like, why do I connect with God? And you see this in Hebrews eleven six. It's kind of a promise to us. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, without faith, without a belief in your heart, without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe, must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. This is why we connect. We love that. There's life in that. And so the question, a couple follow-up questions, are you generally interested in gaining depth in your relationship with God? When you come to a time of, of I call it our, my chair time, we kind of do this this thing. And I have several principles that, that kind of make up my time, my relationship with God. And it's a daily engagement. It happens throughout the day. And <clears throat> it's a process. I got there. We're starting with one minute. So it's not like, oh, wow, I was, I'm just a dude like you. But in my, I got to a point where I realized I wasn't genuinely interested. I was essentially checking a bunch of boxes and doing a bunch of things and consuming a bunch of information. So I could say that I know that I, I know what I know. Right. And so uh, do you want to have a greater faith? Do you want to have, when, when the trials of life come and you get punched in the face or kicked in the butt or whatever analogy you like to use, 
do you want to be able to stand on something that you know is true, right? Or do you want to have to go back to, you know, theory or idea or, you know, money, right? And so you want to develop a deeper devotion. That's really it. And so in your approach, we have to realize that we don't have it all figured out, that we don't know everything and that we haven't arrived yet. I think that's probably the hardest thing for guys to, to kind of admit is, I don't know it all. I haven't arrived and I don't have it all figured out. But man, God does. God does. And I trust him. And I'm just going to trust him and I'm going to believe him. So uh, the reality is we've heard it all before. We've heard all these scriptures before. We've, we have an idea. And what's really crazy about how the world works is, is there are definite, there are words that you perceive that you take in that you define based on your personality that probably aren't even close to the definition of the word itself. Right. But, but because of our past or upbringing or who we are, or who our parents were, or, or, you know, who our, who our seventh grade coach was or that PE teacher, he, he said a word or she said a word that's, that means something to me that really isn't what the definition of the word is, right? And so understanding that our relationship is what makes us a follower. And the Bible calls us a disciple. And it's, it's a churchy word. It just means a follower of Jesus, right? To make disciples, you must first be disciples. The commission is to go into the world and make disciples. So we must first be that first. So our relationship with God is everything, which means when you go out today from here, it's not about converting people to Jesus. It's not about converting them from one religion or denomination to another. It's essentially showing them who God is with your words and your actions. The only way that happens is if we actually have a relationship with God. And so then conversation is our responsibility, not conversion. A lot of people think, well, I have to go out and stand on the corner next to the dude that, that needs some money, right? We'll work for food, right? I'm going to stand right next to that guy. And I got to tell you, if you don't, get to know Jesus, you're going to hell. Like, that's not the way to get people to know Jesus, right? It just isn't. It's not 1974 anymore. And so we gain influence by being an example, by realizing that we are a light, that we shine a light, right? And that we are the salt of the world. And so I referenced Psalms 118.24 last week. I'm going to do it again. This is the day the Lord has made. God has made this day. And I want to go a little bit deeper in this today. That means this day has never happened before. I have to tell our kids this all the time because we get in this rut as parents and we get in this rut with Mondays, right? Like, ugh, Monday. And like, it seems like tomorrow when tomorrow gets here, regardless of who wins the Super Bowl today, you're gonna feel like you've had this Monday before. But the reality is you haven't, you haven't, right? And so you've never been here on this Sunday before on February the 12th, it's Valentine's Day weekend. If you have a Valentine, God bless you. Happy Valentine's Day. This Sunday's never happened. There are only 52 Sundays a year. We live pretty intentionally, and so I can tell you that there's only been six Sundays so far, which means there are 46 left. So we should be intentional with the 46 Sundays that we have left this year. And, and since, since we have those, and since you're here today, we should rejoice, and we should be glad, and we should celebrate, and we should thank God. That's why we worship, right? And so what I'm saying is, if this is the day the Lord has made, today is the most important day of your life. It's the most important day of your life. Yesterday with his successes and its failures and its trials and its triumphs and all those things, that's gone forever. And a lot of people can go and they can point to a day in 1992 when, you know, whoop, there it is, came out and they were, or crisscross was just jumping around and say, man, that was the greatest day of my life. That's false. Today, today is because that is a had or had, we call those people who live their has-beens, Right. That is a has been, that is a once was, right? And so today's the most 
uh, most important day of your life because the past is done. The past is, is finished. It's finished. And Jesus' blood covers that and it allows you to walk in freedom and forward into your today and into your tomorrow. And so you can't relive what's already been done. You're not going to change that, nor can you look back and go, man, that was the greatest day of my life, right? I can tell you, there's a, we have five kids, so those are all five very special days. Our wedding day is a special day. Those are all great days, but I look forward to my anniversary this year, right? To say we've been married 17 years, not to say, man, year one was amazing, right? I want year 17 to be amazing. I want Oscar's 13th birthday to be amazing, not, well, man, when you were five, you were just such an amazing kid, right? You're amazing now. So tomorrow, then understanding that today is, today is God's gift. This is huge in our relationship with God. It kind of feels like I'm going off on a tangent. I'm not. If, if I don't see today like this and realize that it's a gift from God today, then that really affects how I engage with him, right? And so tomorrow, also tomorrow, with all of its trials and triumphs, it hasn't happened yet. And so it does us no good to spend time there. The Bible says tomorrow will take care of itself. And the reality is for a lot of people, tomorrow is not going to come, right? And so don't waste any time with it. Don't waste any time with that. Just be, just be right here. And so today is what God has entrusted to you. And it's all that you have. So we should give our best in it. Even if we're not rooting for the Chiefs or the Eagles, right? And so then today, identify what's most important today and spend your time there today. And that's going to be the challenge for tomorrow. When you wake up, what's most important today? I think Lou Holtz says this. Lou Holtz has this win analogy. What's important now? What's, if I'm going to win today, I need to identify what's important now, right? What's important today, and I want to spend my time there, and that's where I want to be, and that's who I want to be with, right? And so if you'll do that, when today is done, you'll end the day with some satisfaction and some peace. You'll hit your pillow, and you'll actually go right to sleep and not be worried about Monday morning, right? Because you actually were satisfied with what happened today because of who you were with and because you were actually there, right? And so in short, Psalms 118 says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad. I will rejoice in it. And then the backside of that is Matthew 6, 34. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to worry about itself. If you truly want to live a new day and you want every day to be a true new day, right? Here's what you need to wake up with. You need to wake up with this one thought. This is the greatest day of my life. This is the greatest day of my life because it's the one I have. This is the only day you have. You had but this is all you have. And so this is the greatest day of my life. Today is, right? And so because it is, I'm going to go with my whole heart and I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to be rooted because I believe in who gave me this day. And because I know who gave me this day, I'm going to connect with him and I'm going to say thanks, right? And so this, this has to be a heart belief. This is the greatest day of my life, right? This hits your heart. It doesn't hit your mind. This, just this tagline right here, this is the greatest day of my life. That's not something you know. When you say it, it's something you believe. When you get to a heart level, that's when you start growing and engaging in your relationship with God. But when I go, ah, oh, the Bible, my Bible app says I got to read Psalm 64 today. Golly, what's David going to say today, right? That have to, it cannot be a have to. This is a get to, this is an opportunity because this is the greatest day of my life. And because God gave it to me, I want to see what he has to say to me. Because whatever he's going to say to me today, I'm going to walk in. I'm going to receive and I'm going to be fruitful because of it, right? 
And so today, we're talking about bringing character into your connection. That's Romans 5, 3 through 5. I'm kind of transitioning now. And here's what it says. It says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. It's a lot. And character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Can't be over there. I'm right here in this moment. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's Spirit has been given to you. And so endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Consistency in all of this, if I could paraphrase, consistency is what's going to produce character. Now, here's the, here's the hard part. Nobody likes hearing that because it sounds like work, right? Ah, but I work for a living, Right? consistency in my engagement is what's going to produce Christ-like character, right? Not many people like that, but you need to understand that, that a long muscle is a strong muscle. Strength comes from the stretch, right? If you never get uncomfortable, how do you ever get stronger? How do you ever grow? It takes a little bit more than what you're willing to give, right? So let's go back to the original question. Why do you connect with God? It's Psalms 105.4 too, so I gave you Hebrews 11. Now I'm going to give you Psalms 105. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek, seek his face always. So always is every day. So when I say this is the day, always is in that. This is the day the Lord has made. So God wants you to seek him. He wants you to seek his face because he wants to be known by you. He wants to be known by you. He wants relationship with you. Here's what's awesome. Seek, seek supports the desire that God has to be found. God is saying, find me, find me. Don't assume me. We all know what assume does. Find me. To seek anything is to pursue it, right? If we're seeking, Heather is amazing at losing her phone for some reason. I have no, I have no clue why. Have you seen my phone? No, it's not my phone. Okay? But will you call it? Sure, I would love to call it. Now, Heather outside of her phone is amazing, right? She's amazing. And so to seek anything is to pursue it. And we always will seek what we're looking for until we find it, right? And if we can't find it, that's in our house when we go to, our, when we go to Heather and say, hey, could, we don't know where it's at, could you? And she's like solid gold in that arena, as long as it's not her cell phone, okay? And so seek supports God's desire to be found. There are a few Bible verses that use the phrase to seek the face of God. Seek the face of God. They're all found in the Old Testament. And I'm going to give you some Hebrew here just for a second. The Hebrew word used for face is actually a phrase. It means to face the part that turns to face the part that turns. And it comes from the root meaning to appear and look, to face or to turn and face or to appear and look. So then to seek God's face implies that we are face to face with him. That's what it says, which is a place of intentional connection and intentional closeness. That's pretty intimate, actually. When I'm face to face with somebody, we're either about to fight or we're about to kiss, right? Like, that was kind of a joke, but some truth, okay? And so, so being face-to-face with God is, is that moment that we come to, that we should come to, that we want to come to because of what we've been given every single day. It's FaceTime, which is why we call this series FaceTime. So in your heart, in your intention, in your motive, is that to be face-to-face with God? Psalms 104, 105.4, the ESV says, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. This is the day, continually. It's a new day 
His mercies are new every morning, right? Continually equals consistency. Consistency builds strength. It's repetition, right? And strength builds character. So to seek God continually is to seek a deeper relationship with him. That's when you start growing and gain some roots. Everybody say roots. Yeah, it's really good. And then you would say, well, what about when real life happens, Dusty? Because real life happens to me a lot. What about when I go to bed late? I got in at two o'clock this morning. I did a, a wedding in Texas last night. And when we got to the gate, I was so ready to be home because I was hoping that there was like a 0.2% chance that Heather was going to be awake. And we pull into the gate and they say, we're, we sat there forever, by the way. And the guy gets on, the, the pilot gets on, he says, hey, it's going to be 35 minutes. The gate crew's not ready for us. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's 1.35 in the morning. How's the gate crew not ready, right? And so what about when real life happens? You go to bed late, you work too much, your spouse is upset with you, your kids are disappointed that you didn't come to their game or couldn't make it over here, right? Your boss is demanding, your house is in disrepair. Oh, just saying that just stinks, right? And the list goes on. There's, we all have all these things, right? Like door handle stopped working on my truck. Like, really? Like, what about when life happens? The truth is, like two things, the two things we had last week were the good reason, the real reason. Here are the two for this week. Most people are going to seek God for one of two reasons, to either repair or to prepare. Repair or prepare. Repair typically stems from the good reason, and that's to fix something from yesterday or to fix it for tomorrow. That's repair. And a lot of us live in that mode with life and in our relationship with God. We're constantly repairing, feeling like, man, I have to do this so, so lightning doesn't strike. And, and God's not a mob boss, by the way, so don't, don't believe that that's going to happen. That's not who God is. There's a New Testament. There's, there's a new covenant. There's blood that covers you. God loves you. He loved you so much that he sent you his son. And so, so if you perceive God to be somebody who is just looking to punish you, that's not the God that, that we serve, and that's not who God is, okay? We got to get out of the Old Testament. We learn from that. Jesus came to allow us to live in the New Testament. That's where we are today. And so the second thing that we do, so repairing, is to fix something from yesterday to tomorrow, or prepare, which means to focus on today for a great tomorrow. This is the difference between reactive and proactive, right? Reactive is just like a hard place to be because you feel like you're always behind the eight ball, but being proactive is huge. And so preparing means that we are connected to the source. It means we're in a relationship and we're constantly moving forward. We're seeking continually. That's what being prepared means or preparing, right? It's John 15. Those who have prepared have great character, right? Because it takes some intentionality. It takes some purpose. They see opportunity and purpose in every day. It's called living intentionally, right? Now, the one or the person who seeks to repair, they're likely driven by a motive, right? And they need, there's a need for something to happen. We have to do something. And so they are likely inconsistent, which means that's a, a weaker faith, right? And it's a good reason, but it's disconnected from their heart. It's just kind of like, hey, I, I've got to fix this today. Guess what? I've, I've let this go for nine months, and now today's the day, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to probably take me the rest of the week, right? And so if you're seeking to prepare, you're likely driven by your character. It's who you are, which means it's relational, not transactional. So we've got to get to the place where we actually step into the day that God's given us wholeheartedly, 
knowing that today is preparation for tomorrow, not I have to outwork my past, right? So remember, God's number one goal for you is to develop Christ-like character. He wants you to be like his son. We, as followers, believe that Jesus is our example, right? And so he paved the way, so he made it a little bit easier for us. How many of you guys know if, if you're not the pioneer, right, it's a little bit easier. The, the pioneer had to go through all the hardship, all the trouble. He had, he had to plow, and he had to dig, and he had to grade, and he had to pave, and then he had to build. We just get to walk because of what Jesus did for us. And so here's the thing. Motives are different than your character, Okay. And so motives are connected to specific situations. And so I don't want God to be a specific situation in your life. I want him to be present in your life every single day, which is what you should want to. Your character is connected to your heart. That's who you are, right? And, and your character is who you are in every situation. You're nothing unless it comes from your heart, right? God says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Your heart is where your spirit is. And so then you can have, I say, the difference between the motive and the character is this. If you have a great character, you can have a flawed motive. There can be a flawed motive in solid character. And if there's a flawed motive with solid character, that motive typically works itself out, right? They're corrected or they're eliminated because of our character. But if that motive leads the way, then it, it erodes our character, right? So seeking God is really a matter of investing in your character so that you can become like Jesus, which is what we'd say follower or a disciple is. We call it seeking God, and we've said seek, seek, seek. And seek is to know. When you seek, you will find. And in that knowing, there should be a belief and depth that takes place, right? Seeking about is about personal relationship. It's about personal spiritual growth. And so the unique part of, I think, where we're at, at the, as the American church, the big C, capital C church, is we're really super wide, and we might have a really wide reach, but we're very thin. We're very thin, and God never designed it to be like that. He really wants that flipped to where we might be an inch wide, but 100 miles deep. That will withstand anything. That's faith. That's belief, right? That means being rooted. And so, so then, to go back to the question, why do I seek God? Instead of asking, why do I seek God? We should ask, why Why? Why shouldn't I develop Christ-like character? Why don't I want to connect? Why don't I want to develop in my relationship with God? Because the issue is we tend to view God as a process. And that's just because of the culture and because we want to know how much that you know, right? And so that we think with God that we are to work a process. I just need to work a process. Just give me the plan. Just I'll adopt. Just tell me what to do and I'll do that. But so many times we do that disconnected from our heart. And so the truth is, if you only work a process, <laughs> you're a machine. Anybody can, that's why robots are taking over, right? If you only work a process, you're a machine with a motive, not a disciple with a heart. It's not about the process. It's about the heart. God says, I'm, I'm looking for your heart, right? It's not about good behavior. It's about that belief. And so when you bring your heart, you produce real fruit from a real relationship because you sought God with a why, because of who, not for a what. Not for a what. And the integrity of your faith will erode when you treat it like a process. That's where it starts. That's where we like hit that. I don't know if you guys remember that message, the six phases of faith we did. This is kind of where you start to hit that wall we talked about. When I start to treat this like a process where now I start to compartmentalize and go, okay, well, I've got to do this and I got to do bricks for the kids. And I got to, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z and all this. And then 
and then my day runs and I'm just exhausted when I hit my pillow. You get tired mentally, and because you're tired mentally, you go, we start minimizing the one thing that needs to be maximized in our lives, right? Especially when we don't like the, the, the part of the process that we've made it to be, right? Or we believe that it, well, this, this used to do good, but now it doesn't do any good anymore. And if you stop and think about it, the only reason that we believe it doesn't do any good anymore is because our heart's disconnected from it. We've decided in our mind, you know, I'm not getting so much from that anymore. And so maybe I'll, I'll, just, I'll just cut that and I'll just see what Heather thinks, right? And so when your heart's disconnected from it, there's, there's not going to be fruit. There won't be fruit. Like anything else, the longer that you don't like what you do, the more ways you're going to find to cut corners or to do the bare minimum, or essentially just to fake it and say, yeah, 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 I know God, right? Which then exhausts you physically because instead of being first, God is not even last, he's a plus one. And I'll get it in when I can, as opposed to letting it be the thing that fuels me, right? I was at a conference this week and we talked so much about working from rest as opposed to working for rest. So many people wake up and run so they can rest. But what if you got up from a place of fulfillment? And so as this, as this pastor was talking, I said, hey, that calendar is really great. It's really great. However, I believe what fuels you is what happens before that first box and what happens after. So he's, and I, I take you through all that. And what I want to say is, my engagement with God is what allows me to go through my day. It brings fruit to my day. And there was a time in my life where my engagement with God was, was dead last. It was at the end of my day, but it was amazing. And I went to sleep with 100% peace. So it's not like, it's got to be first. There's so many scriptures that you can say, but God really just wants the best of you. So if your best is at 2 a.m., God bless you. If your best is at 6 a.m., good. But God wants the best of you because he believes when he has that, he has your heart. And when he has that, you're going to walk with fruit. You're going to bear fruit where you go. And so the reality is this, in any process, I can work a calendar and I can, I can put all this stuff up and I can adopt so many processes, right? Any process completed without your heart is empty and it doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good. It might bring me accomplishment. I might get a trophy or a plaque, but it's false. It's false because because I'm not in it. My mind and my, and my body might be, but my spirit is not, right? And so this typically is done with the motive. Well, I, I have to do this, right? And so you are repeatedly what you do. You are what you repeatedly do. And so what does that energy come from? The number one challenge I was faced with this week is, as I met with pastors was you need to wrestle with how much of the world you let in your life. You should be wrestling that. And to be honest with you, I don't, I don't wrestle that. It's, it, is, it is overload to me, right? I get fed so much stuff from outside people. I don't have to scroll a social media feed. I get it text to me like, or emailed to me. Most of the time it's text, right? And so we should be grappling. We should be wrestling with how much, how much of the outside world, how much of the external things affect us. And don't, don't cruise right over this. Here's why. Because God says that you're holy. He says you're blameless. He says you're, you're righteous. He calls you to be set apart. So how set apart are you? How set apart are you? And is it coming from a place of fulfillment with God? When it comes to, um, when it, it comes to, or it comes from investing time with God, 
it comes from your relationship with him. To be set apart is to be called like him, to be called a son or a daughter, right? And so building your faith, becoming a better follower, and being more devoted is really about investing in your character. It's, it's personal development. And so the scripture that we use all the time is Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as your self. And that's typically where we put ourselves, is at the very end, which means we're not, we're not pouring into ourselves at all. We're not developing our character at all. We feel like we have to go and, and, and I have to do this to love God, and I have to do this to love people. And, what, and nobody ever says, what about me? And you have permission to say, what about me? And today I'm telling you that fruit, the fulfillment in you, comes from God who gave you this day, and this is the greatest day you're ever going to have, right? And so then it's not a self-help book or a TED Talk or a podcast or a YouTube video or a shortcut or an Instagram story or a, I could keep, there's so much stuff, right? Right? There's not a better idea. It's the, I think the thing that the world hates is this, is this is still the answer. This is still the answer. And you can't change this answer. You might change a lot of stuff that men have written, but you can't change this because this is the inspired word of God. You can't change this. This is the way, right? And so if you're not investing in your faith, you're not going to be able to invest in others. And you might be saying, oh, there's no way I can invest in others. Like, I've got so much going on. That's why. That's why. But the people in your circle are actually looking to you. They're looking to you. And they really need you. They need you more than you, can, than you can possibly comprehend. They need you probably as much as you need them. And everybody's looking for light, salt, and community right now. They can pretend that they're not, but doing life alone sucks. It just does. And God gave us Jesus so we wouldn't have to do that, and so we could rally together. That's why he calls you the church. You are the church. It's not about this. It's you. It's you. And so then... You are what you repeatedly do. That comes from your heart. It's who you are. And it's who you are, meaning that comes with passion and it comes with purpose and it comes with a belief. And when it's like that, your faith fuels your actions. Your faith will fuel your action. It won't be a plus one. And so I'm going to close with this because we are rolling. To have a character in your connection, you must guard your heart. How much of the, the, I told you, the thing that I wrestled with this week, by the way, I, I prepared this message two weeks ago. But the number one thing I wrestled with this week is how much of the outside am I letting affect my heart? How much of what, who cares? Politics, agenda, left, right, middle, how much of that is affecting me? How much of the hate messages that I receive through Who Cares What Avenue am I letting affect my heart? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above everything, guard your heart with all diligence because from it flow the springs of life. Solomon's saying to guard your heart. He's implying that you're living in a war. You're living in a war. And there's a constant battle going on. It's spiritual I've heard so many people in the past two months tell me they feel like they're stuck in the matrix. I don't want to be stuck in the matrix, right? I don't even remember that movie that well, but I know it's not cool, okay? And so if you feel like you're stuck in the matrix, it's because you're in a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. You have an enemy who is hell-bent on destruction. He opposes everything that God stands for, 
And if you stand with God and you walk with God, he opposes you too. And the reality is, is you have to be diligent in guarding your heart. You have, you have to be, right? Above everything, every day, guard your heart always, right? Philippians 4, 7 says, if we'll do this, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. That peace will come. How does peace come? It's a daily engagement. I've got to be reminded every day, what did God promise me today? What did God promise me today? Yeah, I heard that back in 1982. But what did he promise me today? Yeah, I'm going to trust that today. Guess why? Because it's brand new today. Don't you love how when you actually will, will take action and apply yourselves to reading the Bible, maybe the same scripture. Guys, John 15 is like a testimony in my life. I reference John 15 all the time. Guess what? I, I read John 15. I walk into the church that we're meeting at this week and the Bible is open to John 15. Now, now part of me goes, I know, I, I have that chapter memorized. I know that front to back and I could have walked right by. But I thought, how unique is that? Lord, what do you want to say today? What is that? And there's something in John 15. This is not in my message and I apologize if I'm keeping you. It says, everything that bears fruit gets pruned. And that's where I feel like I am right now. And God was just reminding me, hey, you're in the pruning process. You're in the pruning process. Maybe you hear that today. Sometimes you feel like, man, I believe and I'm busting my butt and I'm doing everything I can. Yet, hits keep coming. <laughs> it's the pruning process. Everything that lives and breathes is going to get pruned. And so your heart is the source of everything you do. It's the wellspring of your life. Everything, every day should come from your heart. That's where your character is. Your heart overflows. Here's some reference if you want to screenshot that. This, your heart overflows into your thoughts, your words, and your actions. And the references for these are simple and they're so very good. But your heart overflows into everything that you are. That's why it's where your spirit is, right? And so when your heart leads, you're actually operating from a spiritual place. Now that's hard because we tend to go back to being soulish people and letting our soul or mind kind of dictate what's happening. If your heart is unhealthy, it threatens everything else. So it's crucial for your life, for your well-being, that you guard it. You must guard it. Your character is connected to your heart. Character is who you are. That's why you must have character in your connection with God. So I'm going to recap for you because we've kind of been in a few places. So here is the recap. Connect with God consistently. Connect with God consistently. Believe in your heart. This is the number one relationship. This takes top priority. FaceTime with God is everything. Two, consistency builds character. Have an intentional FaceTime with God. When you have those intentional FaceTimes with God, that builds a real relationship with him. A belief, it's a heart belief. Connect to prepare. We're not in repair mode. That's a, that's a bad place to be, right? We want to be preparing for a great tomorrow. Your character is your heart. Fourth thing is guard your heart. Guard your heart. From it flows everything. Guard your heart. From it flows everything. And then lead from your heart. Be who God called you to be. Don't do what the world tells you to do. Be. God called you a human being, not a human doing. You are three parts whole. You are spirit. You have a soul. And you live and interact with a body. So then lead from your heart. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.